Hey, welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast. My name is Chris Lyons, and I am so glad to have you with me. Today, I'll be talking with Frank DePinto, who's a creative director at Electronic Arts, the computer games giant located in Redwood, California. Frank has had quite an amazing career for someone just 10 years out of design school, starting at VF Imageware in Tampa, then moving to Adidas in Portland, and now Electronic Arts. Frank, it's so great to have you here. I'm glad you have me on, Chris. I appreciate it. Frank, you've worked in sports, in gaming, apparel, music, entertainment. What is next? Oh, my God. Who knows? Who knows? I think that's the beauty of it. Um, you know, my my career has definitely, although the red thread has always been sport, um, I've had my tentacles on a lot of different programs and clients and businesses and you know, I would I would say that I'm lucky to be where I'm at, but it, it definitely came with a lot of grunt work uh, that was put in. So, well, I remember what would probably be considered day one of your journey. We talked when you were in your senior year of school, and you said you wanted to create a clothing line because for some reason you just wanted to do athletic oriented clothing way back in the day, and you had none of that in your book at the time, and off you went. Yeah, no, I mean. That's the one thing that that has always kind of stuck with me is I was really focused on what I wanted to do early on. And that didn't stop me from kind of learning and flexing onto other industries or other types of projects. But I knew, you know, growing up playing sports my entire life, uh, given the uh, the Italian background, I was never going to play basketball. <laughs> um, you know, baseball was was a huge part of my life growing up. Team sports were big. Uh, and I knew I, you know, if I wasn't going to go professional or be super involved in the athletic side of thing, I was going to be able to use my creative and my imagination to be involved in it to whatever degree I could. So I was just super dialed. I was focused on connecting sports and creative uh, in a unique way. And, and that really was kind of the, the heartbeat for everything that I, I wanted to do. And, and to your point, started it kind of day one. So we'll, we'll get back into that when we talk about um, young people trying to break into this business of yours. But how did you get the attention of the people at Adidas? So, I mean, it was uh, probably a few years before kind of the transition from from VF Imageware to Adidas. So VF Imageware is now Fanatics. And I think everybody who follows sports knows you know, what Fanatics is and, and who they create for and the types of product that they create. Massive, massive industry. But it essentially was Major League Baseball. We were designing all the on-field apparel for Major League Baseball, for the coaches, for the athletes, and obviously for the fans. And, you know, for me, I was so kind of honored to, to jump into it. And, you know, I walked in my first day of, of work, right, my first professional day of work, and I saw all these people that you know, it was their job. But for me, it was like, this was heaven. I was so excited to be there. Every meeting was just glowing um, because this was it, right? I'm connecting sports and, and creative. And that passion alone probably got me a handful of increases in pay and and uh, new job titles and things like that. So, you know, it was, a lot of it was this combination of being hungry, being really passionate about the sports, uh, industry and and having a knack for wanting to learn on the creative side. Um, you know, about a year, year and a half into my career, I quickly realized like, hey, 
you don't want to be a, a t-shirt designer, uniform designer for the rest of your life. So outside of my nine to five, I spent a ton of time learning how to code websites, how to chop up motion content, how to film, how to shoot photography. Uh, went super deep into the weeds on learning typography and 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 then kind of even honing my craft on on what creating garments and apparel, uh, what how to kind of go about that and um, all of that time that was put in at night to learn really allowed me to come in and, and my nine to five was really easy at that point because I was just super confident in my skill set. Um, we were really doing some amazing things on the Major League Baseball side. A lot of great business opportunities were happening. We were scaling, you know, some of the product into non-traditional, uh, you know, outlets, right? Major League Baseball product was really, you know, at your Dick Sporting Goods or at the stadium. You can buy it at a concessionaire. But, you know, we were driving down to Bradenton, Florida and, and meeting with Foot Locker and, and you know, presenting to them ideas where we can make baseball cool. And, um, you know, a lot of the, the creative efforts that went into that started to connect with some people and some connections I had up, uh, up at Adidas. So it was truly uh, a mixture of hard work, a little bit of hustle and, and good networking. Um, you know, just from, you know, Facebook at the time, oh my God, it was just getting started. And, you know, to, to what it is now, it's kind of crazy to think how much it's evolved. But I just remember, you know, reaching out to like-minded people and and just trying to get my name out there. And then sure enough, after applying a handful of times, they actually came to me, which was crazy. Um, you know, because something I learned as I got to, to Portland was, you know, you sit with the HR people and they're like, yeah, we get thousands and thousands of applications a day from all over the world. So for, for you to cut through that, you really have to, to, to put yourself out there. You kind of have to peel back the onion of, of you know, being shy or being a bit timid on, on, on putting your name out there, putting your work out there, but it comes down really to how badly you want it. And we have, once I got out to Portland, I started to see some of these kids that get internships. They're not, they're not kids that came off the top of the stack of applications. They're kids that were contacting people through social media, were sending constant direct emails, were connecting with people on LinkedIn, uh, you know, through connections, it allowed a lot of these kids to get into a brand like Adidas. And then from there, I mean, once that internship is on your, uh, on your resume, you know, the sky is uh, sky's the limit. A lot of young designers fall into the trap of, thinking that just creating a book is going to get them where they want to go. It's, it's so true. And you know, it would, the first thing that I would tell a designer is your book will come, your book's going to evolve. The book that you create this month is going to change next month and the month after that. So the more work you put in, the more cool stuff you're, you're going to turn out. The most important thing is the balance between being a business savvy creative Mm -hmm. or being someone who's very, very focused on on just the art. And, and there's no right or wrong, but it just depends what you want to do, right? If you want to work for a local agency, if you want to work for a brand because your work, the work-life balance is way more important to you, that's okay. But if you are someone who wants to go work for a Nike or an Adidas 
or one of these top tier sports brands on the creative side, a book is definitely not going to cut it. You have to really, you know, put in the, the more people side of things as well. So then you end up at Adidas. Frank, when I, when I saw that you landed there, I was thinking he's going to be a lifer. There's no way he ever leaves a job at Adidas. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity, to be honest with you. And um, I met some incredible thinkers. Yeah, I won't even call them artists. I, I would say just thinkers. The, the, the conversations that are had at a, at, a, at a campus like that are pretty indescribable. Um, and obviously the product is is best in class. But yeah, you know, I had an amazing opportunity. I, I was working in uh, the U.S. sports division with um, with Adidas, and you know, the task at hand was to really launch uh, the NHL and its new partnership with Adidas. And you know, it you don't necessarily think of the NHL as the sexiest sport out there, right? Football, baseball, basketball. But hockey has such a massive opportunity to to just expand, grow the game internationally, bring the game even even deeper into the U.S. But you know, we were using the kind of core creative aesthetics of a global brand like Adidas, and kind of mixing that that creative voice onto a sport that really needed it. We were able to do some really cool things. You know, we did partnerships with PK Subban and others. Um, did some amazing kind of one-off uniforms for All-Star Game. We created uh, the first fully recyclable jersey ever worn in the NHL um, through recycled uh, fabrications with a partner called Parlay. And, it, you know, it really kind of catapulted this kind of opportunity with the NHL where they we kind of proved ourselves pretty quickly with the league. And the league, you know, was looking for the next big thing that we were going to do to kind of create a splash in hockey and – you know, last year was kind of the biggest kind of idea that I've ever had kind of coming to fruition, I would say. I mean, the, a very short story for, for your listeners. Um, so it takes about eight to 10 months for an NHL team to decide that they want to change their uniform. That's just deciding if they want to change their uniform. And then once you get past that, you have your brand identity, uh, you know, phase where you're going in, you're redeveloping the the typography on the jersey, the logo application on the jersey, the colors, and then you're doing iterations upon iterations. It goes through a factory pipeline to create the right fabric. There's fit testings and on ice testings. It's a two-year process. And, you know, we had this idea of, you know, how do we create a splash in hockey without alienating fans who are familiar with their, their favorite team? And the thing that you associate with your favorite team is, is the logo. And a lot of logos have changed in sports over the years per, per organizations. But we had this idea of like, hey, what if we go back into the archives, find logos that are really cool, and then put them on you know, new uniform systems with updated colors. So that's this kind of mixture of the future of hockey and the, the throwbacks of hockey all mashed up to create this thing called reverse retro. and. Uh, to put it in perspective, we flew to Detroit uh, to the commissioner's meeting. All 31 CMOs were there, and we had 30-minute meetings with every single team. I didn't eat. I barely was drinking water. We were going one after another. And within 30 days, we had locked in every single organization in the National Hockey League to launch a new uniform. Wow. And it was 
awesome. I mean, and it, we had a really small crew at Adidas working on hockey, and um, the work that the team put in was unbelievable. So, you know, the rest was history. We were sampling 30 different uniform colors, a unique opportunity for every single team within their market to launch the uniform. And I think just off the top of my head, I mean, some of the metrics, it was trending in Canada and Twitter. It was trending in the U.S. and Twitter. It was the largest collaborative uniform drop between an organization and a brand. And locally, each team's jersey was uh, an absolute hit. I mean, down here in Tampa, just going to a lightning game, I mean, you see a ton of people in the new uniform. So that was a great project. You know, a lot of a lot of the other sports groups within Adidas kind of adopted it from, from a college perspective and other sports. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of really gave me the opportunity to, to kind of make a big splash in the, in the sports space. And, and yeah, here we are. Well, that's sure a long way from T-shirt design, isn't it? A long way away from T-shirt design. And it was really great. I mean, you know, to be honest. So, right. So now let's go back to my first few years out of out of college. I was obsessed with learning all different forms of creative, not just t-shirt graphic design. So the time I was putting into cut video, take video, uh, export files, all, all the nuances of other forms of creative, uh, let's just call it content, allowed me to be a pretty, pretty big utility knife within US sports because they didn't have to outsource to an agency $20,000 to do some sizzle video for social media. They had a guy right here who could do it. And that was just something I was super comfortable with. So that led me to things I'm doing now. But you know, I know we're going to touch on, you know, it for some of the kids coming out of college. But that's the one thing I would say is spend the time to, you know, expand your craft as much as possible. If you're the best oil painter in your class, um, mix and mash and learn different types of, of styles and, and aesthetics as much as you can because it'll definitely help you in the future. Well, I got to guess um, your presentation skills have been polished up pretty to a high buff right now. Yeah, they. I mean, but again, it, it all goes back to those first couple of years out of college, right? I the time I put in, right? You're nine to five. You get out of you get out of your nine to five, right? Everybody sleeps, let's say seven to eight hours. That gives you what eight hours to figure out your meals throughout the day, any type of driving or commuting you have to do, what, working out, playtime, free time. And then, you know, that leaves you with maybe, what, two hours to kind of work on your craft. So for me, I was cutting and slicing hours off throughout the day so that at night, I mean, I was just obsessed with, with testing and learning different programs. And because I was able to get my skill set to a point where I knew I was confident that I could create pretty much anything that my mind thought of, that just made me really able to speak to it much easier, right? I was confident in what I was talking about, which made me much easier. It was just much easier to kind of talk through ideas. So when you're assessing a young creative talent um, who has their eyes on a, a position with you, are these the traits you look for? Definitely, definitely. And, and you know, even more recently, jumping over to EA Sports and working on Madden, you know, it's one thing that I'm, I am I love about my, my role now is that, you know, I have this amazing mixture of young talent that's coming into the group. I have this mixture of the most incredibly talented engineers and software developers that have been in the industry for 30 plus years. So you have this great dichotomy and mix of talent. And my job is to kind of come in, fuse it all together 
so that we're creating something really new and unique. So what I would say for, for some of the young kids that are coming into any industry really is figure out what you don't need in your day to day and turn that into opportunities for you to develop your craft. I'm not, you know, telling you to do the cliche, you know, thing, hey, don't watch Netflix work on your art. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but figure out what's really what's really important to you. And if it is getting that amazing job that you've always wanted since you were a little kid, you know, some other things are going to have to fall off for you to spend your time to, uh, like I said, develop your craft and, and put you in a, the, the best position to succeed in the future. Well, I think the notion that you chase what you love really feeds that because if you love this stuff, you'll be you'll be all good with putting in these kind of hours. It doesn't feel like a job, right? It feels just like I'm waking up living and I'm doing something that I really love and you know, don't get me wrong, I've, I've had plenty of clients that fall outside of the sports space and all, all of that is great. But yeah, if you, can, if you can identify really, you know, what are the things that you love to do? How, how can you tie creativity into it? That's really gonna kind of set you up to be in a great position and in, in, in downstream in your career. And definitely don't be afraid to network. You have to get out there, feel awkward, reach out to people, so many young designers tend to be a little self-conscious or not particularly outgoing, like they're kind of wrapped up in their creativity and not thinking. But man, you got to think like a business person. You got to promote. You got to hustle. And I think you, as an undersized athlete, really understand the notion of just having to out-hustle other people. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I built this great little group of friends out in Portland and like-minded thinkers, and you know, all of us in some form or fashion played sports. And I've always wrote on my, let's say, title, whenever I have the opportunity to kind of write in, a creative athlete. Doesn't matter high, low, director, whatever. I'm a creative athlete. I take the same mindset that I have had in athletics through perseverance, through hard work, through teamwork and communication, all of those things that you take from, from team sports, and you pair that with your imagination and your creativity and you have a creative athlete. And, and it was a mindset. It's a way that I've approached things in my career. And it allows me to be really nimble and flexible. I'm not saying that every art. I'm a pretty unique uh, individual when it comes to creative and art, right? I think not every person stereotypically would play sports in our industry. But whatever that passion is, whatever that passion is, whether it's gaming, whether it's cooking or building things, any of, any of that paired with creativity can kind of create something super special. The thing that I think comes from the athletic pursuit is, is discipline. If I had to peg one thing that's really the earmark of, of athletic designers, it's discipline. I agree. I agree. It, it's, it's so true. I, I think, you know, I think every artist will want to perfect their craft, right? It's, that's why it's really, it's really hard to deliver final files because as an artist, especially a graphic designer, you're always wanting to tweak and change and, you can always feel like you can make it better, but discipline is a huge, huge part of it. And and also the discipline allows you to take on a lot more. You know, I've worked with plenty of, of artists and, and creators that are really, really good, but you know, their output is is pretty low. So I think it's just about thinking, you know, to your point, from a business side is, you know, how can I create really great product at a really great pace? Yeah. Um, that's gonna make you stand out from 
anybody else in, in the market. I delivered uh, 13 portraits today to Simon & Schuster for a book cover. And they, they, asked me to, awesome. they asked me to push my style a little bit and do a very limited color palette and make them really graphic. And it was great fun. So I did the first one. It was a portrait of Elon Musk. And by the time I got to the 13th one, I looked back and I hated the first one. And the second one wasn't <laughs> that great. They got so much better by the end that I ended up going back and doing probably the first four or five completely over again because my style had evolved and I got better. And I couldn't live yeah. with those first ones not being as good as the last ones. It's so true. And I think another another piece of advice that I would give to kind of the younger generation coming up is, you know, I actually was in a coffee shop the other day and I had a girl kind of, I was meeting a client and she kind of looked over and saw the, some of the stuff we were talking about and introduced herself. So kudos to her. But she said, you know, I'm, I'm in graphic design school and I just don't really know what I want to do. And like, you know, I kind of want to get into sculpting and all this stuff. And she's like, well, you know, do you have any like words of advice? What I really want, wanted her to take away from it is don't be afraid to fail. Do not be afraid to create something that looks like not great. It's okay because you just your confidence in being able to massage out the creative, massage out the idea. Uh, somebody's going to look at that piece of art that you created and gravitate towards it. So art is subjective. Creativity is subjective. The only thing that you can do is just hone in that craft as much as you can so that you can build some confidence for yourself. And then that confidence is going to breed uh, success. All right. This, Frank, this is awesome. And it's also 20 minutes in. And we haven't even touched on electronic arts. So I'm going to <laughs> yeah. close this one. And if you don't mind, make this a two-part podcast because you've got so much great advice for these young listeners of mine that maybe we'll do part two will be your electronic arts experience. Does that work for you? I I think that would be great, Chris. Thank you for joining us today. As I just mentioned, this concludes part one of my conversation with Frank DePinto, talking about his experience as a senior designer at Adidas. In part two of our conversation, we'll discuss his current role as creative director at Electronic Arts. So be sure to check back in next time for the rest of our talk. And as always, if you are looking to strengthen and focus your portfolio, or you just need some help getting your creative career on track, send me a note to chris at creativecareerstarter.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. We'll see you next time.